Good morning. This morning's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 12, verses 1 through to 20. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Great to see you. Um, I'm going to I'm going to stay here this morning and be less like a puppy bouncing around. So if I'm less animated, it's because of not feeling so well. It's not because I'm disinterested in what I'm saying. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you so much for your presence here with us this morning. We sense it so clearly. And we want to stay in this place now as we come before your word. So anoint me to teach and give us uh, open and receptive hearts as we come before your word. We ask this in your amazing son's name. Amen. It's lovely to be able to carry on this uh, 
sermon series that Andy started last week. If you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to, to listen to that talk. Uh, as we're thinking about um, making... Sorry? Make, thank you. <laughs> making it your ambition, uh, new spiritual ambitions. Um, last week, it was making your ambition to pray like Samuel, and I found that really helpful this week. It's, it's shone a really helpful light on my prayer life, as I thought, because I obviously want to pray like Samuel, I want to be that responsive, that receptive. One of the irritating things about God is he does take you seriously when you take prayer seriously. Um, but that's been really illuminating for me this week. And this morning we think about making it our ambition to serve wholeheartedly. I have a friend, I had a friend called James. He, he died a few years ago, but uh, he was a fantastic musician. He was a percussionist, and I, I worked with him often. Um, brilliant player. And he had had a, a very famous teacher uh, who was also a percussionist and a brilliant player, a guy called James Blades. And when uh, this guy James uh, died, uh, sorry, retired, he gave my friend James one of his drums, a snare drum, okay? Now, it wasn't a particularly expensive drum, but it was a fantastic instrument. So much so that when James, my friend, received from his teacher this gift, he said, he literally said, this is the most precious gift I've ever been given. He was so excited ab about this drum. Uh, you've definitely heard this drum, by the way. So this, this guy, his, his teacher, James, played on all the kind of Pinewood movie soundtracks, so things like the, the Eagles Have Landed, Where Eagles Dare, all that all kind of military war films. The snare drum you would have heard was this drum I'm talking about, right? You've definitely heard it. Um, and he said, oh, this is the most precious gift I've ever been given. And uh, his teacher said, listen, it, it's a drum, right? It's, you, you should use it. You make sure you use it. And he said, oh, I will. Then uh, James Blades, not long after he retired, uh, died. And so my friend has his drum. And every time I was on a recording session with him, I was saying, where's his drum? Oh, I haven't got around to using it yet. I will, I will. I just need to make sure I get the right case for it and make sure it's protected. I mean, it's a drum, right? You whack it. Um, <laughs> But he's like, I, I will get around to using it. I, yeah, I will. Um, sadly, my friend James um, was taken ill and died quite quickly and never got used to, never got around to using this instrument. So what he referred to as the greatest gift he's ever been given, he never used. Think about that. What an incredibly sad thought that you could go to your grave with the greatest gift of your life unused. Now this is precisely why Paul writes uh, what he writes to the church in Corinth. This church, he, knew, he knew this church very well, he established this church, he spent a couple of years with this church, he knows exactly where they're at. And he says to them in verse 1, now about spiritual gifts... I do not want you to be ignorant. In, in other words, you have a gift. You may have more than one gift. You have a gift definitely greater than some precious musical instrument. It's been given to you by God, by the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual gift. And for you to identify it and cherish it, but crucially, use it, is critical not just for your own life, your holy destiny, but for the life of the church. 
for you to go to your grave with the gift that God has given you unwrapped, unused. That's unthinkable, right? Now, I know you know this, but it's worth repeating. If you love Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've committed to being part of his community, that it's not just that you are called to go to church, you're called to be church, to serve. Serving is not some kind of optional extra that you'll pop in your diary, and if, you know, if space arises, you'll get round to it, or, or you'll, you'll take it seriously when life is less complicated when you have less work pressures or when the kids get a bit older, that's a good one, I'll serve then. Or when there's a change of church leadership, when I actually like the vicar, then I'll start serving or whatever it is. Yeah. There's a thought. No. <laughs> there's something that Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant about here. And let me divide this into three simple thoughts. First of all, don't be ignorant about the fact that God created you to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. Paul, as he writes to another church he founded in Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. We are God's workmanship. You are created by God. Created in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit, you're given these gifts, to do good works. Andy mentioned the, the, the fruit of the Spirit um, in his prayers. But we're not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, now we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is, is what you are. Here I'm talking about what you do. You are made by God to do good works, not to accumulate good things. Now let me be clear about this. There's nothing wrong with having good things, right? If you think about Christian people, Christians in business, Christians in professional life should do well, given the integrity and hard work that you're called to, to live with. There's nothing wrong with accumulating good things. The problem is when that pursuit pushes your call to serve out of your diary or at least move it down your to-do list. I don't know about you, but Claire and I often talk about our bucket list. On Claire's bucket list, at the top of it, right, is this desire to go to India. I, I have no desire to go to <laughs> India, but I've got a horrible feeling at some point in my life. <laughs> Conversely, at the top of my bucket list uh, is a desire to go to Disneyland and to use my two boys as an excuse. So I'm thrilled to tell you that we, we've actually got a, our act together and we, we're going to take the boys to Disney uh, in Florida this Easter time. So we're going to tick that off and I'm very excited about that. Um, but we've been talking about all these things we want to do before we kick the bucket. But surely the list that matters it's not all the things you want to do, all the places you want to go to, but rather all the situations, all the places, all the people that we have served, the lives that we have touched for God. Surely that's the list that matters. He has made you and gifted you in a new, unique way to be able to do that. God created you to serve. Secondly, don't be confused about this. God calls you to serve. 
Peter writes his first letter, chapter 2 and verse 9. He says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, I love that phrase, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Before Jesus, priests were set apart. There were places only priests could go. There were things only priests could do. There were clothes only priests could wear. There are still only clothes that priests can wear. Um, There were prayers only priests could pray. There was forgiveness only priests could give. And then Jesus on the cross changes everything. Because of the new covenant, everyone who commits to and follows Jesus is called into the priesthood. The father of the Reformation, Martin Luther, came up with this really helpful phrase. He was talking about the priesthood of all believers. That's you and me. So what Peter is teaching here in his first letter is that there's no more two-tier system, if you will. We're not divided up into the professionals and the amateurs. So, of course, um, we have have full-time and ordained clergy. That's important. Our church wouldn't function without that. But that in no way absolves you and me of the responsibility to step into the gifting that God through the Holy Spirit, has given you and the service that he's called you to do with that gifting. Don't you think it's unconscionable, it's unthinkable that somebody might go to the grave without using the greatest gift they've ever been given? God created you to serve. He called you to serve. Something else I don't want you to be ignorant about. God changes you when you serve. Paul wrote to the church in in Philippi uh, an amazing letter. This little community had a lot to learn about this. Um, It was a Roman colony where power and status had become incredibly important. And Paul says this to them. This is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. It was an important lesson that the Philippians had to learn. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Humility is a quality of the spirit, one of those virtues that you cannot acquire simply by an application of willpower. I cannot say, today I'm going to be humble, you just watch me. I'm on a journey, you know me, I'm on a journey with this. But I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that humility comes, when it does come to me, it comes as a byproduct of surrender and service. You are transformed when you serve. Some of you may have heard of uh, Indra Nui. Uh, she's an Indian business lady. I'd never heard of her until a, a month or so ago. I read an article about her. Incredible woman. Indra was brought up in India, and it would be fair to say she was brought up in a culture that didn't absolutely go overboard on encouraging women to realise their full potential. But she had an incredible mom who had not had any kind of formal in- uh, education, but nonetheless determined that Indra and her younger sister would be taught what they could be. 
And so every day after school, the girls would come home and the mom would devise this little uh, project for them. And they had to write an essay or a speech or something um, as if they were campaigning to be uh, a president or some kind of world leader. And uh, they would write their essays and, and present them. And the one with the most plausible argument, the one who'd written the best uh, presentation would win some kind of little prize. So Indra grew up understanding something about her potential. And in 2018, Indra uh, stepped down as the chairman of PepsiCo, right? The multinational that owns PepsiCola amongst all the other brands. And she'd been chairman for 12 years, which is, those of you in business will know at that level, that is a formidable achievement. She, took their, she doubled their, their profits from a few billion to nearly seven billion annually. You, you look on all the Forbes lists of influential business people, she's right there. As, in terms of business women, she's right up there, obviously. Um, incredible person. On the day that Indra Nui was made chairman of PepsiCo, her mom just so happened to be visiting from India. And uh, she, she couldn't believe it. She couldn't wait to get home and tell her mom what she'd just achieved. And she, she burst through the door and she said, Mom, I've got some news. And her mom says, whoa, 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 we haven't got any milk, love. <laughs> and she's like, right, okay, let me just tell you the news. No, 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 we haven't got any milk. Can you go and get some milk? And she said, well, why can't Raj, Raj was her husband, why can't Raj go and get the milk? And she's like, well, one, I'm not his mom. And secondly, look at him. He looks knackered. You go and get the milk. So she's... I assume her mum was not someone to be argued with, you can tell, right? So she's, she, she turns on her heels and she goes out to get some milk. But in the process, she becomes raging. She, she tells how she was fuming. She could not believe. She'd just become the chairman of PepsiCo. Surely someone else could get the flipping milk. But she gets the milk and she comes back and she says, well, there you are, there's the milk, and thank you for ruining the moment. I was made chairman today and I wanted to tell you. And her mum said, that's incredible. I can't tell you how proud I am. That's amazing. But when you walk through that door, you become a wife, a mother, a daughter. And here's the thing, Indra, no one else can do that. You are uniquely positioned to fulfill that role. So do everyone a favour and leave your crown in the garage when you get home. Don't you just love that? When you come home, leave your crown in the garage. I find it so difficult to, uh, when people say, what, what's your favourite Bible verse or passage to, to pick one? I, but the, Philippians 2 has to be right up there. I, I've been, and I, was, I remember it's, it's Mark's favourite as well. I, I've, I've been animated by it, uh, captivated by it, for as long as I've been a Christian. And Paul reminds this little church in Philippi that Jesus himself did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to enhance his own status. But he humbled himself. That is to say, he left his crown in the garage. He became a servant. He went out and got the milk. And when you serve God... God changes you, he transforms you, and qualities like humility and gentleness and kindness and patience and love, they grow in you. 
We all need each other. Paul says that the church is actually the body, the presence of Christ on earth. And what this means is, is we all need each other. That the passage that Nick read to us, I, I, thanks Nick, I, I just changed it yesterday because I wanted to, I think the Lord is saying, I, I, to come at this from a different angle and, and talk about what we're talking about this morning, the, the body of Christ, there being one body. He, he said the body's a unit, though it's made up of many parts and though they're all, all its parts, parts are many, they form one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices in it. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, I've got a terrible headache, but oh, my back is wonderful today. <laughs> that's, it's ridiculous. Like, that's, the, that's not how the body functions. It's a, it's a unit. You may have great ears, but if the foot isn't working, those ears are going nowhere. A lovely lady um, in this church said to me once that she thought I was an elbow on the body of Christ. <laughs> like I, I elbow people and nudge them. I think it was a compliment. I was like, <laughs> I should have explored that conversation further, but like thinking about it now, I'm like, oh. I suppose it could be fun to think about what part of the body are you? As I'm looking out, it's interesting seeing some amazing Christian people. The mouth or the ears, are you gifted to listen? Or the spine, you've got great courage. Or the heart, you've got a supernatural compassion for the least and the hurting. The washed up, the pushed out. Or the hands or the feet. I don't know what you are, but I'll tell you what you are not. You are not a parasite. You are not a parasite. A parasite is an organism that is attached to and takes nourishment from the body, but it doesn't contribute at all. No one, no one is called to be a parasite. We are the body of Christ, and there are no useless body parts. There are no unimportant body parts. There are no body parts that just make up the numbers. When those who can encourage don't encourage, when those who can shepherd don't shepherd, when those who can organise don't organise, when those who can counsel don't counsel, when those who can listen don't listen, when those who can pray stop praying, when those who can sing don't sing, when those who can cook don't cook, when those who can preach don't preach, the church doesn't work. When you don't use your gift, the church doesn't work. I'm not sure how seriously the church takes serving. See, it's easy in a church like this. I'm looking out at an unbelievable connection, collection of competencies and gifts. So if you fancied doing nothing, SNL would still tick over, right? I'm not sure how, I'm not always sure how seriously the church takes it, but I tell you something, you bet your bottom dollar how seriously the devil takes serving. His absolute intention is for the community of believers, the body of Christ, the church, not to work, not to function. 
He desperately would wish to invade your thinking and offer reasonable reasons why you can't serve. Now, I'm not suggesting some of you are in the throes of incredibly professional lives. You must not allow guilt to contribute to your thought process on this. But no one's making up the numbers, right? No one's too old, no one's too young, no one's too new, no one's too inexperienced. So much we could say. I, I, I just sense that actually that passage from Philippians is <laughs> actually everything you need to know about serving. When you take a step back and you consider what Paul is saying to these people as he writes this, almost this love letter to his friends in Philippi. He says, listen, may your attitude be like that of Christ Jesus. Who, who doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he makes himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being found in human likeness and then being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself and he becomes obedient. And this is the thing, he becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that changes everything. Therefore, God exalts him to the highest place and gives him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and, and on, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You are uniquely equipped to serve. No one else can do what you're called to do. And sometimes it means getting out of the boat. Sometimes it means going to the scary place. Sometimes it means leaving a ministry and coming to pool and joining a family you don't know when it's not convenient in your children's lives. Sometimes it means leaving a church where you are an incredible fit after 10 years of incredible service. Don't take Mark and Kate. We love them. No, there's a new avenue of service. They're going to sing a new song. They're going to transform a church in Oxford. Some of you might not have that such a dramatic, exciting service, but you are not called to make up the, to, to watch everybody else. You are not making up the numbers. You have a significant spiritual gift. Make it your ambition that the image of the servant king is revitalized in your heart. May that be your spiritual ambition this morning. Father, I thank you for these incredible people. Fill us as we come before your table with ambitious hearts, seeking not to be served, but to be, ser to, to be servants for the sake of the kingdom. Amen.